Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk. Today, we're going to talk about stealing elections via media manipulation, UN and climate censoring. Sweden, Italy, and now Brazil, the freedom election trend or train is rolling. Hurricane hack Kamala, seriously. Judge orders Seth Rich laptop release, is justice coming? And Xi forever and the Chinese police in America. And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. On America Can We Talk, I talk about election integrity, border security, healthcare freedom, race relations, energy and tax policy, education policy, free speech and assembly, freedom of religion, and all other issues that touch on the God-given right of every American to life, liberty, and the pursuit of their version of happiness. Stay tuned. Hello again and welcome to America Can We Talk and to today's First Five. I'm Debbie George Addis. A little tiny interview of a woman who's with the UN, Melissa Fleming. She's a UN Secretary for Global Communications. Short interview she did went viral over the weekend when she used the expression that the UN owns climate science. I'm going to ask Emilio, our producer, to play this quick segment for you. And then we'll talk about exactly the consequence of doing what she did. You know, we partnered with Google, for example. If you Google climate change, you will, at the top of your search, you will get all kinds of UN resources. We started this partnership when we were shocked to see that when we Googled climate change, we were getting incredibly distorted uh, information right at the top. So we, we're becoming much more proactive. Um, you know, we own the science and we think that the world you know, should know it, and and the platforms themselves also do. Um, but again, it's it's it is um, it's it's a huge huge challenge that I think all sectors of society need to be very active in. Again, that's Melissa Fleming. Her job is UN Secretary for Global Communications. She used the expression that we own the science. And what she's basically saying is the UN decided years ago nobody is allowed to be on social media. No one should be listened to unless they bow down to and repeat whatever the UN says is the truth about climate change. If you listen to this show very often, you know we've had wonderful guests on the show. One recent one being Mark Morano, uh, who was on a what the UN puts out, which is climate alarmism, uh, has no basis in science, no basis in data, no basis in fact. We've also had join us on the show a gentleman who is from the Texas Public Policy Foundation, Jason Isaac. Again, mountains of information from him related to the actual impact of CO2, the levels of CO2 as compared with time periods in world history. What that UN person is saying is that they decide truth, they being the ruling elite, the UN people who are all wrapped up with the globalist mindset, the globalist mindset of the World Economic Forum types, the, the entire UN, you know, New World Order thinking that says, we will rule the world someday. We will be in charge of everything. We will decide truth. We are just like what was depicted in the book, uh, the fictional book, supposedly 1984. We will rule the world. We decide truth and nobody else gets to hear anything else. Among the consequences of that kind of attitude, I mean, she said, basically, they partner with Google to say, shut everyone down who won't agree with us. Even if they happen to have 
you know, doctorates in relevant areas of science, even if they have years of research under their belt, if they don't kowtow to what we say, shut them down. And Google, of course, only too happy to do that. But that, I want you to think about the election impact. You talk about election fraud and election, you know, in, interfering with elections. What this woman is doing, and people like her in international entities, they're basically shaping election outcomes. They are telling people, this is the truth on climate change, and because it's the truth on climate change, you must be alarmed, therefore you must vote for people who are equally alarmed. You must vote for people who will kowtow to the union, to, excuse me, to the UN radical alarmist climate agenda, and you must reject, mock, ridicule, and silence anyone who won't agree with us. This has a direct impact on elections in America and around the world. The UN is working, obviously, around the world, spreading their climate alarmism and spreading it to people who don't have the time, the capacity, or interest to necessarily dive in and find out, well, is everything the UN is saying is true? Are there other informed sources who th see things differently? They really are actually interfering with elections probably in a more vivid way than many other claims of election fraud because they're really convincing people that they have all the answers and whoever, you know, they're, they're steering it so the average person can't even get to um, other sources of information. It's also really a, a commentary, this little story, about the power of Google and the other social media giants. We'll get more into them a little bit later. But you remember just a couple of months ago, Mark Zuckerberg being interviewed on uh, uh, the Joe Rogan show basically acknowledged, yeah, the FBI controls the information Facebook allows people to see. I mean, the absurdity of that, you have these social media outlets because there are supposed to be ways that people can get information. People can find out different viewpoints. But Facebook, uh, is it, through Zuckerberg, is acknowledging pretty much, you know, we let the FBI tell us what we put out there. Um, we have also a, um, a lawsuit pending right now, uh, two attorneys general, uh, state attorneys general in America, uh, state of Missouri and Louisiana, I think it was. Yeah, Missouri and Louisiana are in federal district court suing the Biden administration for essentially collusion. That's not the name of the torch or the crime, but they're suing the federal government saying, when you, federal government, engage in silencing people you don't agree with, when you define anything that you don't like or you don't agree with as disinformation, misinformation, malinformation, uh, and any other censorship of free speech, when the government does that, they decide viewpoints they don't like constitute disinformation, etc., and then they put pressure on social media companies to silence viewpoints that they are calling disinformation. They really are suppressing free speech in this country. They are suppressing the free flow of information. Social media giants, massive power to shape what people believe is true. And what they don't even know about, they don't even know the information because in the case of the climate change uh, censorship out of the UN, they're basically saying, don't put anything out there unless we've okayed it. And so people don't have a chance to actually find the correct facts. Same thing with the federal government. And this is clearly a, a First Amendment problem in America. If the federal government is, through the guise of claiming disinformation, shutting down your sources of information and, and through the main uh, ones, in fact, that the people, um, the, the plaintiffs, and the two attorneys general, party subpoenas, on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, uh, YouTube, and LinkedIn, and just said, you know, we want to see the communications here. What is the government telling you you can and can't print? 
these are beautiful things. These are people standing up. And is that, um, I'll talk more about that in the next segment, but it's this spirit of people saying, you know what? You just don't get to control everything. The leftist uh, monstrosity that is spreading its power around the world through the guise or through the avenue of World Economic Forum and UN and all the globalist mindset, thinking they're going to tell everyone what to think they're going to limit access to information. They're going to cause people to conclude that anyone who disagrees with any aspect of the leftist agenda is to be silenced and at least uh, viewed to be by many as guilty of misinformation and all the other silly words they made up. These people are involved in a massive suppression of the right of people on this planet and in this country to have freedom of communication, freedom of speech, freedom to find the sources you want to find. That's what they're engaged in. And actually, I love the spirit of those two attorneys general deciding we're not going to let the government continue to do that. There's now a motion pending in front of the federal district court judge who is looking at this saying these uh, two plaintiff states are saying we want more information as a matter of fact. They're now asking for information from Dr. Fauci. Um, they're asking for information from, excuse me, <coughs> so sorry, from the Department of Health and Human Services and Dr. Fauci. Um, they want answers to the communications from those entities to these massive mega social media giants. What are you telling them they should and shouldn't say? What are you telling them that, that they're allowed to put out and that they should repress and not be allowed to go out? So that motion is pending right now before uh, a federal district court judge. I'm not sure where the case was filed, but they're looking at the question, how much can these states stand up for the rights of their citizens to get information out uh, in the public and and how much do the states have a right to say the federal government you cannot interfere with along by colluding with the social media companies and the rights of american citizens to hear and read what they want to hear and read hear and read information that is counter to what the left-wing regime now destroying this country out of washington wants them to hear and read it's a great time it's a great message uh, from those two attorneys general saying that we actually stand up for freedom of speech, we stand up for truth, we stand up for the people of this country to actually be able to participate and find the news, uh, not just what Biden and his team colluding with the social media giants decide you're allowed to hear. Great step towards standing up for the right of people to hear the truth. And that, my very fine friends, is today's First Five. So there were great, you know, this kind of spirit of, um, there's a, a human spirit I talked about last week. There's a human spirit of people wanting freedom. It, it's innate, it's God-given, it's the, you know, it's, it comes in your, the whole package of being a human. There's a desire for freedom, not to be controlled by others. And there's a desire for truth. And there is a desire for justice, freedom and truth and justice. These are natural yearnings. Uh, in the human spirit. They're natural yearnings uh, to people, regardless of the country you're born in or in any other aspect of your race, color, ethnicity, national origin, religion, whatever it is, it's a natural human yearning to want to have freedom, to find truth, and to demand justice. And so right now there are things happening around the world. There's just this movement that's rising up by people around the world demanding those things, saying we're not going to just live in a world where the information we get or we're allowed to see is controlled by the leftist socialist cabal trying to uh, orchestrate and organize and concentrate its power in the UN and, and the World Economic Forum types. And we want our sovereign nations. 
And so this is being reflected in recent elections. There were uh, elections, um, three elect recent elections I want to uh, mention briefly. Uh, on Sunday, there was an election, so yesterday, an election in Brazil. And this is just a great story. So Brazil has had kind of their version of Trump as their president since 2018 named Bolsonaro. B-O-L-S-O-N-A-R-O, Bolsonaro. He's been in for four years and now there's an election and he was, it's really interesting how it, these things are kind of universal, how leftists who's, who live and breathe their purpose in life is to find a way to convince you to give up your freedom and let them control your life. This is a primary goal of socialist, Marxist, communists, the entire leftist cabal now running the UN and running World Economic Forum and all these other left-wing minded outfits. Their entire mission is to control you, to convince you for one reason or another to give up your freedom and let them, let them be in control of everything. So in Brazil, Bolsonaro, kind of a Trumpster, holds rallies, I mean, massive rallies, people show up. Well, they had an election, and so they had a leftist, of course, the leftist who's trying to, you know, bring the Brazil country of Brazil back around to being more supportive of, you know, the left-wing agenda in this world, the UN agenda. And uh, so the uh, leftist was predicted by many or hoped by many that he might actually win this outright. So his last name is Lula, Lula da Silva. Uh, and so Lula da Silva, or I guess I call him Lula, but anyway, he garnered 48% uh, of the vote. So he didn't get the whole, he didn't get the uh, majority. But on the Bolsonaro, who's running for re-election, the left, this is the uh, uh, depiction in international media. But in, so Bolsonaro's running as an incumbent, running for re-election, and he's running as a, in our American terms, you know, a patriot, a conservative, someone who stands up for his country and believes in freedom. So they had other candidates who were also running on that side of the aisle, running against Bolsonaro. So they were viewed by many as to be plants, as in not serious conservatives, but thrown into the race to confuse people, to get them distracted and voting for somebody else. And yet with all of that effort, all of that manipulation, Bolsonaro uh, garnered 43% of the vote. And so this vote for the next uh, four years uh, ruling Brazil goes to a runoff on October 30th. So that's going to come up in just, you know, whether it's 27 days from now, they're going to have a runoff in Brazil uh, between Bolsonaro and uh, Lula. And so all of the candidates who, who were challenging uh, Bolsonaro uh, allegedly are putting their support, saying, since they didn't win, didn't prevail, putting their support behind Bolsonaro, although it's not clear uh, what they're actually going to do, not clear what, which uh, camp they were really in. But I want to say, I and you think about the story we talked about in the first segment, how the UN has spent, you know, this is one little example. We happen to get like a window opened. So you can see how the UN functions. They decided through that spokesperson you heard a moment ago saying, we're just going to tell the world and we're going to tell Google and these massive social media companies, only our views are allowed to be printed. Only our views should come up when you search on Google. You should only get the left-wing climate alarmism lunacy that they push. They want to silence everyone bringing up other viewpoints. Well, that mentality exists in American media. We have many left-wing media sources in America and the way they describe issues, the adjectives they attach to different candidates, the adjectives they attach to different theories or different points of view 
are massively persuasive in convincing people to vote for leftist ideology. The leftist mindset is always and forever about getting control of you one way or another, manipulating you into giving up your freedom. So back what happened in Brazil, the people had Bolsonaro very popular, and yet you had the media. I mean, I, I, I didn't print out this list of headlines I began creating, but the Bolsonaro election, um, uh, the uh, primary, I guess we would call it primary in our terms, very similar to the recent election in Italy uh, and very similar to the recent election before that in Sweden. In all three cases, the individuals, the people of those countries turned out for and were excited by the idea of someone who would stand up for their country, their people, stand up for freedom, stand up against this leftist UN World Economic Forum globalist cabal trying to take over control of everything, number one, and in order to get them to the place where they can have that international control over everything to diminish the importance and the identity of individual nation states. And we talked about in America, Donald Trump, you know, just the, you know, the hero standing up to, uh, to reclaim America's identity and goodness and strength. Well, same thing is happening in these other countries. And in this uh, particular uh, election in Brazil, I was reading a little bit about what these commentators were saying. And I actually printed out several things written by left-wing commentators because it's really good to read how they characterize thing, things. When they want to convince people to turn against someone who believes in freedom, who believes in free markets, who believes in national sovereignty of their country, who is rejecting this globalist cabal trying to take over everything, when leftist media types want to diminish the uh, people standing for freedom, they do the same thing to Bolsonaro and to the Italian woman who won Molino and to the leader in Sweden is, oh my gosh, far right, extremists, far right, and, and, you know, far right, and they use, you know, things like that they mock and ridicule and demean what those people will bring. And they, it's very dangerous. They have, in all three cases, they have language out of the other side, the leftist side, saying, oh, this is very dangerous. We're very concerned. Let me tell you some of the lines they had in this for uh, Bolsonaro. They were talking about how, you know, just how really, really alarming he is and things, terrible things that happened uh, during his presidency. And by the way, I should tell you something else. You wanted a little measure of what, where the people are in Brazil, what they really want. Bolsonaro had um, had uh, subordinates or people in his party, on his uh, team, who also won. His uh, former environment minister, you got to believe if Bolsonaro is conservative, his environment minister was not a left-wing climate alarmist lunatic. And so his environment minister, um, uh, who uh, they try to scare you, who who um, presided over huge increases in deforestation. Okay, so he wasn't a hug the tree, we can't ever cut the forest down guy, uh, named Eduardo Pizzullo. He won an election for Congress. So the people in Brazil are saying, we like this attitude of pro-Brazil, you know, pro pro-freedom, you know, you know, pro-national sovereignty for our country. So Bolsonaro's former environment minister wins his race for Congress, um, as did, um, Edward uh, Pizzullo, his health minister. And so the, the way they describe him is, we did a terrible job on COVID and terrible. I mean, they're just, they're trying to create hysteria around these people that the uh, Brazilians uh, wanted elected. 
Same thing has happened in the Italy, Italian election, where you have the uh, winner of the Italian election is just depicted in all sorts of left-wing media sources, far-right, fascist, you know, uh, you know, extremist. She's just, she's just a woman who loves her country. She loves Italy. She loves freedom. She loves the idea of the Italian country being strong and having its national sovereignty back and not falling into the leftist, globalist cabal that is trying to take over the world. So, you know, she gets a lot of bad headlines. Even I saw her opponent, uh, the person she defeated, uh, went on some media source to say, stop calling her a fascist. That's ridiculous. She's not a fascist. She's just a conservative. So um, she, uh, in Italy, um, it was kind of entertaining. Her name is uh, Georgia Milani, M-E-L-O-N-I, Milani, I think it is. Uh, she wins and the left goes nuts. But I mean, the fact is, it's just like when the left went nuts for Donald Trump, or they're going nuts against Bolsonaro, or going nuts against her, the left cannot stand when people think for themselves, when they analyze the data themselves, they analyze the issues themselves, and they come to their own conclusions. Leftists like that UN person trying to push, we control Google and we are climate science and we, we are the truth. You know, the, I, I'm, this is what I'm getting around to saying is I want to give credit to that spirit and humanity I was talking about at the beginning. People want freedom, they want justice, and they want truth. They're tired of being lied to by the media outlets in this world, tired of being lied to by the UN, and they are actually using their God-given intelligence to research and learn for themselves, and then to vote for freedom, to vote for their own freedom, which is the opposite of voting for the leftist mindset that is running, that is in charge of the UN, is the UN policy thinking person that says every country should just submit their own uh, integrity, their own sovereignty to the international body, let us run things. I mean, I'm just thrilled with the spirit of, um, it's a spirit, it's a joyful love of freedom. It is the people in this world using their intelligence, using their capacity to learn and think on their own, to not get pushed around by the leftist cabal in this world that is forever and a day, trying to tell them to be silent, trying to shut them down. I'm just thrilled with these victories for freedom lovers, victories for people who support the sovereignty of their own nations and respect for the concept of the sovereign nation state not controlled by the leftist globalists. Then you have the same thing we talked about several times, but well, it was in Sweden. Um, there was a um, just a, a brilliant, and actually Sweden is one country the left's always trying to point to saying, see, socialism works, everybody loves it. And the truth is, even in Sweden, the people showed up and they turned out for the candidate who was rejecting this international cabal that's just you know, licking his chops and rubbing his fingers and can't wait to get control of all these countries who will surrender their sovereignty to them. I love the spirit of freedom that we're seeing and we are seeing it in America. We saw it in the election of Donald Trump in 2016 and frankly, in his victory in 2020, although he's not yet in the White House, not in the White House, but he did win in 2020, in my opinion. Uh, and he is, you know, we talked about that little issue in the beginning uh, of how the left can push around the media to control what people think is true about climate change. And the UN is, you know, openly saying, yeah, you know, we're, we're just controlling everything we can to make sure no one listens to anything except what we think um, on climate change. And there's just a spirit of, of people and God-given spirit that says, no, we want truth and we're going to find it out. And we're not going to let you tell us what it is we're supposed to think. I love, love, love that attitude. And I'm grateful to see it springing up.
Okay, talk more about that. We'll probably come back to that because there'll be more things to talk about. Uh, but you know, I'm I, I'm I'm kind of celebrating today all this evidence around the world that despite the leftist globalist effort, you know, and you, I, it's hard to even say who's spearheading it. You know, it's the George Soros, the Barack Obama, the World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab, the UN, this whole leftist elitist ruling class intellectual thinking they're going to finally get and be in charge of the world. Everything is going to go just the way they want and nobody's going to think anymore. No one's going to be allowed to have opinions or certainly to have opinions released to the public unless they've been approved by the left. And the people of the world are saying, no, actually, we're smart. We can learn ourselves and we love, we love our freedom. We demand truth and we will vote for justice. And so these people are just I just can't tell you how happy this makes me. Okay, I want to turn and talk about the hurricane. Um, I want to take a quick thing on the hurricane um, that is uh, obviously devastated uh, Florida and you know remnants, and it gets picks up a little bit to hurricane level again. It goes back to the storm. Uh, but you know this whole thing with I call this Hurricane Hat Kamala. Before I get to Hurricane Hat Kamala, uh, which I do want to uh, play something in a moment that she said, I just want to give a moment of praise and gratitude and appreciation for everybody working in Florida to help the uh, victims of Hurricane Ian. I mean, it was a devastating hit on Florida. My husband and I happen to have friends in uh, Sanibel Island, which was pretty much decimated by the hurricane. Uh, Fort Myers, pretty much decimated by the hurricane. We have friends in Florida. Um, so we've been in touch with them and finding out if we can help and what's going on. And I just tell you that every time we have natural disasters in America or around the world, that spirit of goodness of the American people just rises up. It's just bursting out. People can't wait to help. We had a hurricane that hit that we had uh, the um, hurricane that hit in uh, New Orleans and uh, Louisiana. And many of those people came over to Texas uh, because they couldn't get back in their homes. I mean, the generosity, the goodness, the jump in your car. How can I help? What do you guys need attitude? This is, this is, this is real America. The left spends so much time trying to paint America as somehow evil, selfish, racist, bad. It is the way left, the left gets power in this country is by turning Americans against each other, is by depicting our fellow Americans as somehow bad people filled with evil, selfish people. And America could not be further from the lies the left says about it. America is a country filled with generous, good loving people. So in Florida, uh, by the way, I think we're about to go off. Yeah, we're about to off to our um, radio break. If you're listening on radio, thank you for Friday and radio for carrying this show. This is America. Can we talk? My name is Debbie Georgiatis. For things you miss on the show or shows that you miss entirely, you can go to our website, americacanwetalk.org, americacanwetalk.org. And at that website, you can hear full shows, full interviews, read our past newsletters, read our Why It Matters, read our blog posts. It's just a place to come together and talk about America. That's what the website is. So I'd love to have you go again to americacanwetalk.org. Radio listeners, you have a short break, the bottom of the hour, I think three minutes. Come back after, we'll still be right here talking about America. But turning back to Florida uh, and Sanibel Island, uh, which I just, I've always had, it's like on my bucket list, I wanted to go visit because my friends who, who have been there or, or moved there when they uh, left the snow and cold of um, upstate New York or wherever. Um, they love Sanibel Island, so I always wanted to go there. And I wanted to share a, share a short clip of this really cool rescue that happened. Uh, these are, I mean, there are just things like, this is just a microcosm of what's happening. I'll tell you in a minute about my, our friends, what they said back 
I texted and said, what do you need? How can we help? But first I want to play this video. This is just one little rescue effort of this sweet older lady, and I guess it's her son or grandson, uh, being rescued by helicopter. Because Sanibel Island, if you don't know, the causeway, the connection between Sanibel and the mainland is gone. The bridge is gone. The connection is gone. And actually right now in Florida, the hurricane relief is so needed, is so extensive. They are telling everyone who stayed on Sanibel, if you managed to survive, get off the island. Get off the island. They're talking about a year, of course, to be ready for people to inhabit again. And all sorts of other areas, major, major devastation. And the goodness of the American people shining through, helping out. Here's a quick video of what's happening at one little incident in Sanibel. Basically, this guy off the, off the helicopter is asking these people, is anybody around here? Anybody else need to rescue? And they're saying, no, we have no one else. There's no one else that's near. Be scary. This is like a grandmother. <laughs> it's kind of scary. There she goes. Here. And there you go. Okay, this is being repeated all over the state of Florida in all sorts of places. I mean, the devastation is massive. I'm sure wherever you are listening to this, there are charities in your area who are collecting. Uh, money, food, uh, our friends who live there, um, they did, uh, they lost a lot. Their house didn't fall over, but they lost pretty much everything. Um, and, and the house is still there and they have no power, they have no electricity. And actually the authorities are saying, if you must come back to your home, get in, get what you think you can and get out. I mean, they, the relief workers and the rescue workers and the rebuilding people, they're actually needing in many areas just, just to leave. So um, but I, our friends who wrote back just saying, yeah, we had to, whatever, a long story, had to, had to get someone to take them to another city where they got basic supplies, got some food, got some water, go back home. I mean, and, you know, it's really hard too. There are uh, looters, of course, there's always the bad guys show up after these things and thinking they might find something of value. I also want to commend Florida Governor DeSantis. Ron DeSantis is a, he's been a rock star long before the hurricane came along. Rockstar guy right there, really, really firmly telling about telling the people, uh, don't even think about looting. Don't even think about it. And he's and he's tough and he's he's just he's been masterful in handling this. And he has a very calm, confident demeanor, which helps a lot. I think when people sound panicked and uh, any officials or individual citizens sound panicked, it's really not helpful. 
He just exudes confidence and confident uh, ability. To He's just been doing a great job. So love that. Okay, so now we turn to our vice president. This woman, I will let, I'll quickly play the clip. You may have heard this statement, but Kamala Harris and being, uh, being asked about, you know, kind of the, what's going to happen, the, the uh, America providing for, you know, the federal assistance to help these people in Florida, because this is a devastating, I mean, you know, I don't even know they're going to call it, you know, once in a century level hurricane, but uh, here's what she had to say, and then we'll talk about it is our um, lowest income communities and our communities of color that are most impacted by these extreme conditions and and impacted by by issues that are not of their own making and I'm so women. we absolutely and so we have to address this in a way that is about giving resources based on equity, understanding that we, we fight for equality, but we also need to fight for equity, understanding not everyone starts out at the same place. And if we want people to be in an equal place, sometimes we have to take into account those disparities um, and, and do that work. Okay. I really want to talk about this on several levels. It's not just to again mock the hapless and embarrassing Vice President of the United States of America, Kamala Harris. Number one, she is so programmed, so programmed as a leftist politician that the only thing she can think of, the only um, mindset she can go to on any issue is, oh, this provision of aid to the hurricane victims She's talking about, we have to take in part, take into account communities of color. Like she's going to the race issue. And this is, I, I mean, obviously she got pummeled and ridiculed and mocked. And, and later, uh, I didn't, I decided not to grab the clip, but she's walking through someplace and reporters are trying to say, hey, well, what, what do you mean that we're going to, you know, segregate or we're, we're going to divide or make available the aid for the hurricane uh, based on equity and, and, you know, race? And she won't answer. She just smugly walks along. On a very serious note, I'm, I'm going to say, I want to make some points. I think they really matter in thinking about how in the world did that woman get to be the second in command of the United States of America? Seriously, she's second in command. Number one, just to make the point of all of the issues where race should not matter, it's a natural disaster. I mean, you certainly want, don't want discrimination and say, well, certain groups because of their skin color don't get aid or they get the aid last. You want to just... Look at need, look at what the area is. I mean, you're going to organize yourself based on where's the most need? How can we get it to them? What do they need? That's because it's just human. It's just being human. You wouldn't spend a moment thinking, well, let's decide, is this majority, is this neighborhood majority, this color or that color or this ethnicity? All you're thinking about is how do we get aid to the people who need it the fastest? But she is so marinated in, just immersed in, racial politicization of everything that it actually occurred to her to be a good idea to point out that when we're dealing with Hurricane Ian, we better, we better talk about communities of color first. And second, and I, I, I truly, I mean these things, I hope you'll think about them. You know, there's been a lot of talk that in Washington, D.C., and the, this current administration, they're not simply Democrats in any sense of the old school Democrat Party. The Marxist ideology has 100% overtaken the Democrat Party. Much criticism is being heaped on the left because 
many people in this country, we don't want to be Marxist. We don't want to be communist. We don't want to be socialist. We don't like that attitude. So the left always, as they always do, contort to finding language. They resort to finding language to use that maybe will be misleading. They can dupe you into accepting what they are trying to push. So the language has been used more popularly about equity versus equality. And so she, in the middle of discussing how we're going to get help to these people who need it and how we're going to distribute it, she actually goes off on a cutesy little definition or a little uh, mini diatribe on why equity is a right motive, you know, that equity and, and equality and, you know, how we have to, she says, we have to go with equity because, you know, not everyone starts at the same starting rate, same starting place. And so this is why we want equality. We have to have equity too. And I want to tell you, this is something I'm sure that people in her team and anyone who coaches her about her public speaking tells her that, you know, this equity stuff isn't flying too well in America. So if you're going to be talking about equity in terms of that sounds a lot like you're like a leftist, you know, you may want to provide the justification for the Marxist policies of this administration by saying, well, you know, this is why we have to have equity as a as a marker and how we distribute money, because after all, you know, not everyone starts at the same place, the same starting line. So she's taken this high level, you know, critique or high level uh, in training, someone told her to say that makes it sound like she's really wisely, wisely talking about why we have to push Marxist ideology, push socialism, push equity. And that would be something you maybe would talk about in terms of a big tax policy, but she can't even process. This makes no sense at all in this context. This makes no sense at all in this context. She can't figure that out. She actually thinks that's a really good point to make in case anyone didn't know that we don't all start at the same starting point when we are talking about rescue and, and basic human supplies to survive this hurricane and to survive what's now occurring, which is a water shortage and food shortage, all the other, you know, horrible things happening in Florida. I mean, she's just, I'm getting it. She's a programmed fool. I'm sorry. I, I, you know, I will tell you, she's a programmed fool who got those talking points. Someone told her to say that, and she throws it in, in a completely irrelevant context. She, she sounds ridiculous. She sounds foolish. And now I'll point out where she stands in the line of power in the world. She's the second in command of America. The first in command, well, I should say, he who was inaugurated on January 20th and occupies the White House because we are occupied, that guy, everyone understands, is suffering from some severe and unfortunate uh, mental debilitation. He is well down the path of dementia or whatever the diagnosis would be. He doesn't know what's going on. I, I actually don't play these little videos that you could, there are just reams of videos of him you know, shaking hands with the air, wandering in the wrong direction, can't figure out where he's supposed to go on the stage, can't figure out what he's talking about. I mean, just, just it goes on and on and on. So he's not really there. And Kamala Harris is the one, should he ever become officially unable to perform the presidency, because he is unable to perform his presidential duties. But if that were to be officially determined, she's second in command. And this is an example of why identity politics are so lethal to America, so dangerous and so immoral. She got picked because she's very pretty. 
She's a person of color, woman of color, and she's a woman. She's she's a three four, very attractive, and serve in the Senate, and is able to look like the part if she just never opened her mouth. Her track record, even if you start to begin to study her track record, is not impressive, is not left-leaning, except when it needs to be left-leaning, and yet here she is, the second in command. This is the extreme danger of the leftist obsession, obsession with identity politics. You have a confused, foolish, silly woman as a second in command of the United States of America. And, and I mean, I actually think somehow, I know there's not a lot of talk about, you know, if Biden really runs again in 24, which is, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I didn't even know what to say about that. If he does, I'm going to guess he will lose big time. But I think they're looking for someone else to run in his place. But even if he does run, which I, I cannot believe the Democrats will let him do, they're not going to keep her. There's all sorts of talk. She's a, she's a massive liability. So anyway, this is what happens when you go with identity politics. You get someone who actually suggests we should distribute emergency aid after hurricane based on skin color and can't even figure out why it's not probably the right time to give her a little Marxist mini speech about equity versus equality. I mean, it, it's excruciating. That's excruciating. Okay. I'm going to take a minute here before I get, I have two more quick stories. I'll take a minute to remind you again, because we're getting so close. We are under 14 days away, under two weeks for our third annual women for freedom summit. That summit is here in Dallas on October 15th, the third annual Women for Freedom Summit. And the next two stories we're going to talk about are really going to be uh, tied to and relevant to some of our speakers. But very quickly, if you don't know about this yet, please go to our website, americacanwetalk.org, americacanwetalk.org. And at the website, you will find the flyer that you can see on the screen in front of you, and you can buy tickets to join us at our summit. The summit is a full day of celebrate America, celebrate America's greatness, learn a ton. We have no, no speakers who are slogan slingers or, or superficial. There's substantive, serious, intelligent, wonderful analysts talking about many of the top issues in America. They're all going to talk about why their topic matters to you and what you can do about it. It's a rich, full day of celebrating America's greatness and goodness and being really brutally honest about the challenges America faces. Great speakers, great company. You'll love the crowd there. So go to our website, americacanwetalk.org. Get yourself a ticket or a sponsorship, and please come to Dallas for the weekend of October 15th. You can stay at the hotel where we are hosting the summit, the Dallas Hilton Lincoln Center. Great hotel, great summit venue, and a great weekend away. So please come. All over the, We have tickets from all over the country already purchased. I love that urge you to come, make it your, I'm not going to run through the speakers, but you can see them on the screen. And again, I urge you to go to our website, americacanwetalk.org, and you can find uh, more information and get your ticket. You don't want to miss your chance. Okay, then that's my uh, plug for today on our summit. So I want to turn to uh, two other stories. Um, the one has to do with this Seth Rich um, character. And I, we've talked about him, it kind of got dropped. It has been dropped in the, from public attention for um, some amount of recent years, um, but the um, Seth Rich, it, there, what has happened is the news in the Seth Rich case is that a federal judge, um, Amos Mazant, has ordered the FBI to release the contents of Seth Rich's laptop. And you're thinking, oh, laptop around the Hunter Biden? No, not the Hunter Biden laptop. That's another story. This is Seth Rich, and very quickly, I'm going to tell you why it is so consequential. 
So Seth Rich was a young Democrat staffer working for the DNC, the Democrat National Committee, huge supporter Bernie Sanders, saw in his work inside the Democrat National Committee his perception that the DNC was backing Hillary over Bernie Sanders. He's a big Bernie Sanders supporter, doesn't like this. And there was a leak of DNC emails and actually Hillary Clinton campaign emails from the DNC to WikiLeaks, which ran a bunch of emails during the 2016 campaign. WikiLeaks and Julian Assange put these emails up that were given to WikiLeaks by somebody. And uh, you know a lot of embarrassing stuff in there. Doesn't seem to bother Democrat voters, but a lot of embarrassing stuff in there. And and surely, so so Seth Rich, um, working was among the people. Many many Americans who are paying attention, close attention, thought may have been the source of the leaks from the DNC over to WikiLeaks. So on July 10th of 2016, so during the hot and heavy campaign period of 2016, July 10th. Uh, Seth Rich was murdered in Washington, D.C., 27 years old, uh, middle of the night or almost early morning near his home. Uh, and it was, you know, he was murdered in, in cold blood, I mean, shot um, and nothing stolen, not his expensive watch or anything else he had while it wasn't uh, removed. I mean, he was shot to death in a public street in the middle of the night and the police categorized it as robbery gone bad, which was viewed by many to be foolish. So Seth Rich was assumed by many to be the person who may have transmitted the emails that so embarrassed Hillary Clinton and the Democrat National Committee. So fast forward. So one way our show got involved in this, that was a great interview. There's a gentleman in Dallas named Ed Butowski. And Ed Butowski uh, is a, um, was a Dallas businessman, very, very politically active. And he was on my show, and, and this is now an older interview. I can go back and find the date, and I will share it with you, go back and find the date that he was on the show. But basically his story was that he did a little bit of media, mainly about financial stuff. He's a financial advisor kind of guy and does some media and finance stuff. He said on my show and, and other places that he was approached by a woman named Ellen, and her last name is Ellen uh, Tinsky, something like that. Um, Ellen Ratner, Ellen Ratner, a friend of his, and the story was that he told on my show and other places. So Ellen Ratner had met with Julian Assange. Julian Assange is in England. She meets with him and he told her that the, the emails came from inside the DNC and uh, what that, I don't know when in the story that the Seth Rich name was introduced, but when, but Ellen Ratner asked Ed Butowski to go to Seth Rich's parents and tell them that the burglar robbery gone bad, but that he in fact had been the source of the email leak from the um, DNC over to WikiLeaks. And a lot of people believe that because he was in a position to have those very unhappy with the DNC. So the reason this is so consequential at this point is Part of what occurred, because the DNC claimed that it was the Russians had hacked the DNC servers and the Russians had given those emails to Julian Assange. It was part of their buildup of the story that the Russians were invading or interfering with America's elections. It was the Russians who gave all this to 
um, you know, to WikiLeaks. And it prompted, it was like three weeks later, that the FBI opened their investigation into the question of whether or not there was Russian interference in the American election. And the DNC servers, which were the ones that where all the information came from that got to Julian Assange, the DNC never permitted the FBI, still to this day, never permitted the FBI to, as any other entity would have to do, to do their examination of the DNC servers to find this proof of the Russian hack into the DNC servers. Instead, the DNC said, you know, they, they had some dumb reason they gave, but they basically wouldn't let the FBI look at their own servers, and they hired an outside organization named CrowdStrike. The DNC, the search of their servers that caused them to say, yeah, we looked at our servers, it turns out it was a Russian hack that got in and gave those emails to, uh, Jul to Julian Assange and WikiLeaks. The entity that searched the DNC servers, not the FBI, like any other entity in America would have to go through, it was a private organization, DNC hired, the Democrat National Committee hired, named CrowdStrike. CrowdStrike, Russian connections, but CrowdStrike did this analysis, they were a cybersecurity firm, did this analysis and concluded and gave their report to the DNC that they found evidence of two different ways in which there had been a Russian hack into the DNC servers. And lo and behold, the Russians were behind all of this. This led, of course, or it helped to snowball the whole story of the Hillary Clinton campaign that the Russia collusion, uh, that they were trying to help Trump, that they, they the Russians, had hacked in the DNC servers and released those emails and made people look bad. It was building the evidence of Russian involvement in the 2016 election. So the people who were saying, no, actually, I don't think it was the Russians that got into the DNC servers. We think it was Seth Rich who gave the information to Julian Assange because he was angry about the DNC support of Hillary versus uh, his favorite, Bernie Sanders. All of this has been you know, cogitating around. And finally, one of the lawyers involved in this, these uh, cases, uh, named Ty Clevenger, um, had filed a Freedom of Information Act and essentially um, got information where uh, he's, first, I think the FBI tried to say they didn't have Seth Rich's computer. They apparently don't have his laptop, but they have the contents. The FBI allegedly has the contents of at least some of Seth Rich's laptop. And so Clevenger and others are saying, we want to see it. We want to see what was in there. Why would the FBI hide what was in Seth? You know, if this was all just a robbery gone bad, why can't we have the contents of Seth Rich's laptop? You know, FBI is not cooperating. So, so anyway, uh, there's now been an order released by U.S. District Judge Amos Mazant. By the way, I knew him years ago. He's a really, really straight shooter. Anyway, he issued an, a 53-page opinion um, basically saying uh, that the FBI has to release this stuff, has to release the contents of Seth Rich's laptop. I don't know where the story is going to go. I will say that, um, you know, it would be monumental if anything that the FBI would release would prove that, as, as many people suspect, it was Seth Rich who gave the information from the DNC to WikiLeaks, and therefore it wasn't a Russian hack, as the DNC claimed and CrowdStrike verified for them. It would be very consequential in terms of the question of why did this whole Russia collusion thing get started? Did the DNC and the Hillary Clinton team know at the time they were claiming this Russian hack occurred? Did they actually already know at that time that there was no Russian hack of the DNC servers? And that, in fact, 
it was Seth Rich who gave information away for the reasons that we know. And so it's been all a bunch of interesting twists on that. Uh, Seth Rich's parents are really diehard Democrats and uh, did not want to have anything. They fought, the, the family fought to protect Seth Rich's email contents from being released by the FBI. That was a ruling Justice uh, Amos Mazant had to make was whether the survivors have some right to protect the privacy of emails of someone who's been gone now uh, over six years, a family member who's been gone and ruled no, actually they don't have the right to stop that release and he ordered the release of that contents. I'm gonna guess, even though this sounds like great news, you think, oh, this is great, we're finally maybe gonna get somewhere. You know, I, I wouldn't hold my breath. I will say, this is part of the reason it's so problematic is so many Americans do not trust the FBI, do not trust their integrity is, if the FBI releases the contents and all that's in there, a bunch of emails, you know, inviting girls to a dinner party or something, and a bunch of inconsequential contents, will people say, oh, look at that, we were wrong all along. There's nothing in here about the DNC, about the preference for uh, Hillary over, over Bernie Sanders, there's no connections with Julian Assange. And by the way, Julian Assange more or less said this um, shortly after the um, the uh, news came out, shortly after he put the uh, DNC emails out on WikiLeaks, Julian Assange said in a press conference um, in 2016 sometime, I think like in Holland or someplace, uh, said, actually, no, the, the uh, emails I got did not come uh, from the Russians. They came from a source inside the DNC. He's already said that much. He allegedly told Ellen Ratner, who told Ed Butowski, who in turn talked to Seth Rich's parents and said, actually, Seth was a source of those. But we'll never know that. And frankly, even though it's great news that some judge had the backbone and courage to issue this order, uh, the idea of getting to the truth of what the um, of what happened with Seth Rich and whether he was involved in releasing DNC emails, I don't know if we'll ever know. A, a big consequence of um, you know the fact that we don't really trust our FBI anymore. Okay, quick last story. Then we'll go to our, for our radio listeners. You're about to go off. Um, you go off maybe three or four more minutes. Again, this is Debbie Georgiatis. My show is America Can We Talk. Go to the website, americacanretalk.org. Everything's there. Love to have you come. Love to have you come to our summit. Subscribe to our newsletter and uh, donate. Become a member. You can just get involved with our, our organization, America Can We Talk, where we're all about speaking up for America. This last story is a bit of a tease, again, for our summit. So I want to mention China very briefly. This quick subject for today. We might do more. I don't know if you realize that the Chinese Communist Party um, is engaged in right now, they're moving toward declaring the current uh, Xi Jinping, Xi Jinping, who is the, he's a general secretary, so he's the leader of the Chinese Communist Party, general secretary of CCP. He's also president of the People's Republic of China. He's also chair of the Central Military Commission. So he's, he's the, he is the guy, he is the dictator in China. There is going to be a meeting of their Chinese Communist Party in the Great Hall of the People uh, in central Beijing. They're going to have a giant meeting, and I, I believe it's coming up on Sunday, October 16th, in which they're basically going to make Xi Jinping dictator for life. He's in his alleged second term. He's already orchestrated a change in the Constitution, so he can have a third term. It is by many people who follow closely all of the goings on in China going to be the occasion for the Chinese Communist Party to basically make Xi Jinping a brutal, brutal communist 
the uh, basically dictator for life. So that's alarming people. We'll be talking about that at our summit. And again, if you don't know about the summit, go to americacanwetalk.org at the homepage, buy a ticket for the summit. Love to have you there. We're gonna have numerous, so many China experts, China related people, along with tons of other great speakers. Uh, you don't wanna miss that. The other quick story to mention before we go to our uh, why it matters to you at the end of the show is, uh, it came to light in the last week or so, maybe the last few days, uh, that China hasn't been involved in advancing their presence in other sovereign nations. And specifically the Chinese police are now in more and more places, um, essentially asserting their, uh, they say that they're to help and facilitate dialogue and blah, blah, blah. They're there to keep an eye on all the Chinese nationals who have uh, lucked out enough to be able to leave China and be in other countries. And so they have, this is a New York Post report, um, China has dozens of overseas police service stations in uh, around the world, including one in New York City, three in Toronto, and in countries around the world, 30 countries around the world, 54 Chinese police stations extra to China, outside of China, clap down. And uh, among the things they do, of course, is harass Chinese citizens or in any way viewed to be anti-China or anti-CCP. Uh, and they have recently, these Chinese have within the last, I don't know if it's just one year or more, they have used their persuasive methods to force 230,000 Chinese citizens somewhere, lucky for them, freely living somewhere else, forced them back to China, um, forced them back, you know, and under some, some are not even accused of any crime, just forced to come back under, they might say gentle persuasion, many others say probably threats to the family members of these people. But you know, this is, uh, I, I will probably be more on this story about China uh, next week, but I do wanna um, mention, uh, this is why it is imperative that we have someone serving in the White House who understands and is not just only understands the threat China poses and that this elevation of Xi Jinping uh, as the dictator for life, which is so alarming, but it's also the, you want someone in the White House who is committed to protecting America, whose decisions on foreign policy of all kinds are tied to and wrapped up in protecting America's interests. This is, of course, the concern about our incumbent, our current, he who occupies the White House, Joe Biden, his level of entanglement with the Chinese Communist Party, the Chinese people, and other entities around the world, other countries and companies around the world, uh, in which his financial interest in keeping them stable and in place, and the concern he's even, they use the expression owned by China, not owned by China literally, but, a, but China able because of past uh, decisions that were made by Hunter Biden and his dad, uh, it appears that Joe Biden is not acting in the interests of the American people, but instead acting in the interests of the China expand, Chinese Communist Party expansion. Um, and it'll be interesting to see if there's any action taken uh, to get these Chinese police out of New York City, for one thing, and, and the more broadly, and I'm running out of time, so I gotta wrap it up by saying, you gotta come to the summit. You hear Gordon Chang, among other China experts, telling you the danger China poses to the world and the danger America is under because we have a leader who is not in a position to stand up for America first and to stand up for America's interests, which simply must be contrary to the interests of the expansionist Chinese Communist Party. I end the show every day by telling you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So we start our show today talking about um, 
uh, elections via media manipulation, UN and climate censoring, UN official openly acknowledges collaboration with Google to control access to approved climate change studies, i.e. to fix the first few pages of search results because we, the UN, own the science. Stunning arrogance of ignorance and ignorance from the UN. Government big tech collaboration in support of censorship, a totalitarian effort to define truth, unrestrained competition in the marketplace of ideas, not censorship allows truth to emerge. True miracle, despite big government, big tech totalitarian behavior, the truth is getting out and prevailing. The UN doesn't own any science. The FDA, the NIH don't own any science. Science and politics do not mix when truth does not have an agenda and the people of the world know this. And on Sweden, Italy, now Brazil, the freedom election trend, President Bolsonaro is a Trump-style populist, anti-globalist, also like Maloney in Italy, draws rally crowds even bigger than Trump rallies. Leftist New World Order globalist faction in Brazil adopted a common strategy, run multiple right-leaning but fake populists on the conservative side, splitting the vote. Keep Bolsonaro well under 50% and hope leftist candidate can achieve 50%. Strong whiff of election rigging software at work in Brazil it had 21% of absentee ballots. We know how that goes. Actual results, Bolsonaro outperformed expectations. Leftist opponent did not achieve 50%. Runoff at the end of October will likely favor, favor Bolsonaro. Bottom line, ordinary people around the world are sensing the totalitarian threat represented by globalist New World Order types and are rallying to freedom and truth. And their numbers are swamping the capacities of rigged voting machines. And Hurricane Hack Kamala, VP Harris openly embraces prioritizing hurricane relief to communities of color. Stunning level robotic repetition of leftist talking points in all settings, profoundly anti-American in sentiment and substance. Americans prioritize relief to those most in need, regardless of any physical characteristic, such as skin color, age, or gender. It is repulsive to even suggest otherwise. Harris is unwittingly making the America American awakening bigger and stronger. Americans do not want their leaders talking or thinking like this. Probably not a coincidence that talk of replacing Harris as vice president is on the rise. And on Judge Order Seth Rich's laptop release is just as coming, uh, don't hold your breath. Seth Rich was a young Bernie Sanders supporter and DNC staffer in Washington, DC. Widely known to be disgruntled with DNC's treatment of Sanders, essentially acknowledged by Julian Assange as WikiLeaks source of DNC emails in 2016, Gunned down in D.C. in 2016, what authorities called a botched robbery, but nothing was stolen from this person. True story of Seth Rich's life and murder seems to be seems to put the lie to the entirety of the Russians hacked the DNC narrative that was the foundation of Russia collusion hoax. The FBI refused to release the contents of Seth Rich's laptop, now ordered by a judge to do so. Will the FBI produce it? Modify it? Claim it's lost? This is one more test of FBI integrity. Few have any hope for honesty and from from the weaponized, politicized FBI. And finally, Xi Jinping forever and Chinese police in America. China under the CCP reportedly arrested and detained 1.43 million people in the run-up to their conference planning to appoint Xi Jinping as president for life. China under the CCP is operating Chinese police outlets in continental U.S. and Canada reportedly to keep tabs on Chinese nationals living in the USA, but what else? Two to three younger generations of Americans are slowly waking up to reality. 
communism, and especially the CCP, are enemies of America, freedom, and faith. Will enough Americans wake up in time and find the will to resist? Attend the October 15th Women for Freedom Summit to hear more. And that, my very fine friends, is America Can We Talk for today. Thank you so very much for tuning in every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time to America Can We Talk. I always talk truth about America because America matters. I will talk to you next time. America, can we talk truth about America? Can you?